0: Our School Walking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we bring you news, sometimes we make you laugh, most times we go deep. I'm Cosmo Mom09, Rachel B., and with me, of course, is Sharendy Blazy Gardner. And what a treat! We have our host with the most, David Cameo, on screen with us today, too. <laughs> we have an incredibly talented artist with us today, Kirk Manley
1: you about yeah, me. Kirk? <laughs> okay. Hi, Kirk. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Kirk Manley
2: is a graphic artist based in Fairfield, Connecticut. As owner of both KM, KM Communication and Studio KM, Kirk has demonstrated that you can truly turn your passions into a career path if you work at it hard enough. As a branch in the TWD family tree, in many ways, Kirk was a super fan. First, being a well-known artist, came second. Recently, our Survivors Tier member, Aliza J., sent both uh, Dave, Rachel, and myself a beautiful, beautiful Fear the Walking Dead poster created and signed by the man himself. Shortly thereafter, Aliza was thoughtful enough to bring Kirk on with us so all of our listeners could know him a little bit better. Without further ado, Kirk, thanks for being
1: here. Oh, you're welcome. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Thank you uh, to all of you and to Aliza for kind of putting this together and making it happen. And. Mm-hmm. uh She's been a, a wonderful supporter uh, of my work and my art for a while, and uh, I really uh, appreciate it, all that she, uh, she does to help promote me. She's not the only one.
3: She <laughs> is <laughs> awesome. No, she's not. No, she's <laughs> not. I owe thanks to an awful
1: lot of people. Everybody in the, in the Walking Dead family has been very generous about uh, supporting my work both online and at shows and everything else, and I, I can't thank people enough.
2: So you are doing a Walking Dead tribute art release next weekend tell us more about that
1: um sure. how did you get the idea sure. Sure. and the idea kind of came because uh i was scheduled to exhibit at my first uh walking dead focused convention this month uh last would have been actually this weekend at fandemic down in atlanta mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. not been at a show since uh, c2e2 in chicago end of february um beginning of march 2019 So it's been it's been a long time with the pandemic and with everything else. Getting excited for that, gearing up, doing a lot of work, and trying to get ready. And um, and then of course COVID came back for its fourth stand. When that wasn't going to happen, I kind of felt like rather than waiting till March, I thought, what if I were to try and do something online that would be similar to a convention kind of approach uh, and uh, make it a an opportunity to present the new work now instead of making everybody wait till March when I will have additional new work as well. <laughs> Hopefully fingers crossed. So that was really the thing that kind of initiated my, my, the idea. Um, and then kind of how it evolved into, you know, three days and doing three different releases with two new tributes each day and then bundling situate, um, options and, uh, opportunities for buy- people to, to get, um, original sketch cards that I would do, uh, as incentives for, for set purchases and things like that is uh, kind of all evolved as it, as it went. So we'll see, you know, I, I, am an artist, not a promoter. I'm a, not a, a, <laughs> Yeah, convention creator, bar, yeah. so so you know this may be an epic fail. I don't know, <laughs> but you uh, you know you don't learn by not doing. I figured uh, why not try it and see what happens. Maybe it's the oh, first. Sorry, right. I don't know. Maybe it's the first of of many. I don't know. <laughs> but I've been trying not to show any of the actual uh, tributes because uh, I want it to be a surprise. The first day, cool. when that goes live, it'll just be. The two but you'll see the other two days but they'll be blank or they'll have question marks or whatever and <laughs> and that way uh people have to kind of come back and see the next day and and uh, then of course at the end you'll have an opportunity to to get all three days uh pieces uh as one group and there'll be specials incentives that go with that and that kind of thing but um no they they will be full i don't know if you're familiar with my tributes but um what i do is i i take an episode and try to put together what I think were the the main points of the episode or the most emotional arcs, you know, obviously you can't get everything in, but uh, my background is in comic book stuff. So I like to tell a story. So rather than just have one image of one character and the title or something, I like to kind of show a little bit of sequentialness to it, you know, and the different things that on on the highlights that were for me of that episode. A lot of the different characters will, will show up in these different prints.
0: That is really cool. Yeah, I've yeah. seen some
3: of the Ray Bradbury-esque, uh, Kirby-esque uh, tri- uh, episode tribute cover art, and so yeah. I, I'm, I'm familiar with your work. And I just love how sometimes you'll reach in a different direction with each tribute. Yeah. So for people who do not know, I think I think your website studio studiokm.com.
1: dot Studio dot com, and um, there's a link there to my Deviant Art gallery, which has everything that I've done so far. It, it's funny because. Um, it's coincidentally, I kind of got into this because of podcasting, and uh, okay. <laughs> which is okay. kind of which is kind of a okay. weird around the the horn kind of uh, uh, logic. But I, I love The Walking Dead. I've always loved zombies. I've loved zombies, the zombie genre, and I I read the book religiously um, from the first issue and thought the world of Kirkman and thought of the world of how. He did the book. Um, it was like a classic zombie book, but or a zombie movie. He took a lot of risks and and just was inspiring. You know, I mean, like taking lead, big lead characters and having them die right like early. <laughs> it was just like that. You know, that just didn't happen. You know, and and the, the sometimes I'd get so angry I wouldn't want to read it, and then I just I couldn't go. I had to go back.
3: In that vein, though. Yes. Because you said that, you said it made you angry, but. In terms of your background uh, of of reading comics and stuff like that, did you kind of gravitate more towards like, you know, superheroes versus supervillains, like, you know, in terms of your classic uh, comic book reading?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm definitely a superhero lover and and diehard fan of superhero comics, Um, have been and always will be. But I've also really been into the zombie genre ever since Dawn of the Dead came out and blew my mind in the 1980s and uh, have been on board with that ever since, too. So, you know, I I became a big fan of of the book and big fan of the show because of that. And then I got an opportunity to do a podcast called Biters. I started that with a guy, um, Jeff Marzik, who was writing a comic book that I was illustrating with him. And so we got wrapped up in that and we started doing these weekly podcasts of the show. And we started in season four, Uh, you know, talking about the episodes every week and getting into detail and everything else. It just inspired me to I just had to do something to create visual to it, you know, I just, so I started creating these illustrations of the episode that we were going to talk about. Oh, wow.
3: As like the podcast art
1: right kind of wow. and it just took off from there mm. and um, then from from that connection I I met and had been a guest on uh, Walking Deadcast with I don't know if you're familiar with that with Jason kabizi and um, he and I became uh, good friends and uh, he introduced me to the people who ran Walker stalker as a possible artist to illustrate show posters for them and that's yeah. how I Epic. got it yeah that's how I got into that and uh, people's reactions to the the, the few small tributes that I, a few that I had done that I brought to that show just said, wow, I got to I got to keep doing this. And it just kind of went from there. <laughs> so podcasting started this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I
3: took a big swing with that intro because I had a feeling that... Because I've seen some credits for your art way back in the 90s, but then I was thinking to myself, right. it just didn't feel like you had that swing until, until yeah. you actually became a fan first. And then... I was listening to the Under the Comics, uh, Under the Comic Covers interview you oh, did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or podcast, rather. Yeah. They had mentioned kind of getting into the, like, you started your fan art for The Walking Dead slowly, and then you kind of found your, you know, for, for singers, it's a voice, or for art, or for, uh, you know, it's like finding your voice, but for, on the pen. And you yeah. kind of f- found your, your path in terms of uh, creating that. And so when I was listening to that, I was like, oh, yeah, he's kind of moseying into the space and kind of, feeling it out as he goes, and then you're getting feedback from other people, and then all of a sudden it kind of explodes, right? It, oh, yeah, kind of absolutely.
1: And, 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 you know, as you pointed out, and I think you're, you're absolutely right, when I first started getting into this, I was very focused on comic book art and trying to do sequential comic book art, you know, the inter- internal art, page art. And it's a very different kind of each panel is its own kind of illustration, but it tends to be a little bit more simpler and not as elaborate each panel. And it was, it was a different kind of way of working. But this required a little bit more focus on a single image. And there were two different kind of approaches. And I wasn't as familiar with that. You know, I'd done cover work and stuff like that before, mm-hmm. but um, on a regular consistent basis. And then I think it was also finding, you know, like you were saying, finding my voice was how do I marry my love of comic books and comic book art style? To this cinematic video-based television show imagery, as opposed to comic book, there's already a Walking Dead comic book. I didn't need to do that. That that would you know that would have been a mistake. You know what I mean? And and there are art. You see artists go out and kind of mimic that the comic book look, and that's that's great, and it works for them, and and more power to them. But for me, I felt like I needed to do something that was unique and different from the comic, yet felt comic booky and Fit for me. So it, over time, I got more of that, and I started. You could see when I started introducing the comic book cover designs. You know, there's a the introduction of um, Ezekiel and and the kingdom. I, I took the cover uh, from Avengers number I don't know was it three, where they found Cap uh, in the ice, and and just replaced all the superheroes with their their characters, and and it just uh, that that just kind of. It just kind of went from there, you know, and I don't always, you know, coming back to something else you had said too, about trying to make each one kind of different is that I'll do comic book cover one, but then I will not let myself do another comic book cover style one for at least three or four before I then go back to, if I want to go back to it, you know, Um, because I want to push myself to do something other. And I don't want also, you know, when you're walking through a convention and looking at someone's art and I've seen people who. Speaking of covers, you know, like the uh, the New York, what was the Saturday Evening Post, it used to be a, a magazine in the 50s or whatever, Norman Rockwell cover. Lots of people will do art that has, you know, popular current uh, pop culture characters in the Saturday Evening Post. And it's like a wall of that. And it's cool, but then you see the the character you like and you get that and that's all you're really interested in. So I didn't want to go that way. I wanted to have something and I wanted to push myself. What can I do different this time? How can I approach this in a way that, will still be me, but will be different from the last one I did. So that somebody else might look at the last one and be, uh, that's not me. But this new one they just did, wow, that that one's, I like where that's going, you know. Even the people who like what you did uh, before and, and want to see more of that, they also appreciate seeing new stuff and different stuff too. I know for myself, as, as both an artist and a consumer of, of art, I've got a wall over here of prints and stuff from other artists that I admire and have liked well, when I'm at shows. And sometimes I have to, you know, I'll buy prints from them or sometimes we exchange prints or things like that because it, it very much affects me and motivates me and inspires me and gives me ideas and, and also goals to shoot for. Some people's stuff just blows me away. Like, I don't know how they do that, you know, so it becomes a goal. I want to produce something that's at that level. And I think athletes do that. Everybody, you know, anybody who's trying to improve, it's something that they do, finds people that do it better and then sets them as kind of the goal.
2: (laughs) Going on that same vein um, of looking at things to get inspiration, who are some artists that inspire you?
1: It's always reflective of, of what you as an artist produce is, you know, the people that you want to emulate or that you see as the ideals. I have a lot of comic book artists that influence my work a lot. Obviously, uh, Adam Hughes has uh, been a favorite all my life. I Neil Adams in his early days was uh, was another one that, that I, I gravitate to. Steve Rude, who did a book called Nexus, is a big inspiration for me. Mike Manola has this very... Um, I want to say almost kind of abstract, and it's gotten more abstract as he's gotten older. I don't mean to imply it's because of his age, but I think as he's gotten older and wiser, he's he's learned how to simplify and simplify and simplify more and more so that you're still getting this powerful graphic image, but it's only a few lines. For a guy who spends hours sitting here drawing little lines, you know, to walk in or or pick up a book and see this art that's just as powerful, just as graphic, if not 10 times more than what you're producing. And they're doing it with three times as less lines. You know, it just blows my, it's like, how, how, how? Oliver Coppell is a a, a more recent one. We talked about, you know, when other artists work that I collect, and there's a bunch of artists that I got to meet doing the shows, doing the conventions, and I hope to see again. And, you know, some of them have been amazing influences on my work. Rob Pryor is a is a fantastic example. You know, here's a guy, you know, we talk about Mignola simplifying and simplifying. Rob is a guy who is started out, I think, as a, a photorealistic kind of illustrator, doing a lot of commercial kind of work. And he brings that incredible likeness and reality to to the images he produces of, of faces and people but then brings in all this expressive energy with paint and color and technique and it's like boom i've always been very impressed with his work and he's plus he's just a wonderful guy scott spillman these are also wonderful people just just wonderful human beings i mean scott spillman took me under his Wing, when I first started out at Walker Stalker Cons, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Helped me, you know, think through how I was setting things up, uh, how I charged, what I charged. I never even used credit cards. He was like, you got to get credit cards, brother. <laughs> so it's just, you know, he was really very savvy. You, you got to get credit cards. Yeah. Come on. And, and in, in a business sense, that, that was something that was completely new to me on, on that level. But his work is just, you know, again, photorealistic and as you can see from my own work that I'm comic book based but I'm really shooting for likeness and, and realism so I'm always impressed by those guys that do that his likeness is there's just nobody better on the circuit you know I mean it's just boom you know he nails it what what makes him different from all the other guys out there that can do realism and likeness is the color he just this yeah. the, these expressive purples and greens and yellows and they never feel out of place they never feel wrong but they're emotional here you've got this simple portrait there's not a lot of there to be emotional about there's no zombie coming in from the side there's no blood all over here there's no guns being pointed over there it's just this beautiful portrait but the color just brings out this energy and i think it's the green that just makes it eerie you know and gives it that walking dead kick so i've tried to look at how i do color how can i bring color in differently i think you're going to see in these pieces that are coming this weekend some some different uses of color for me i hope that people feel that okay cool aj moore besides being just again just another wonderful person he's got to be one of the most prolific artists i've ever met in my life the guy produces constantly and uh, you know (laughs) rob Pryor too but 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 AJ just, you know, every show he's got like 20, 20, 30 new images, you know, you know, as an artist, you only get better by doing also the more people you can satisfy on, you know, when they come to your table. Jason Palmer is a guy who used to do the shows a lot very photorealistic benny miller robin overton into black and white yep, yep. um just fantastic uh, artists love uh, those guys chris of inner demon cross you know just great yep. great stuff so those are a lot of my influences too comic books movies anything that's visual affects me but in terms of of artists uh, between comics and my fellow artists on the on the um, convention circuit the, those would be the Highlights just to follow up on
3: likeness. I, I, when you talked about Mike Mignola, which I've been saying all my life wrong, I thought it was like Mike Mignola or something like that. It probably I, is. Knows.
1: Don't, don't ever go, don't ever go by what I said. Holy cow, <laughs> yeah, that would be the I, worst I, thing you could listen. do. Listen, that would be a mistake to the of Epic right, proportions.
3: <laughs> Let's break even and call him Mikey, yeah, M- Mike Mag- Magnolia. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so, um so, w- what I noticed immediately about your work was that. I hope there Mike doesn't hear this. <laughs> yeah, oh, I hope he does. I hope he does. Mike Magnolia, look us up. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> what I noticed about your, your work is there is a little of that in there because what I noticed is that your ability to capture a general countenance, let's say in faces, but with as little line as possible yeah. or a little as little lines or, or colors or whatnot, you just happen to capture the essence with as little as possible. And I—I I, I, that's the one thing I... I mean, this is not limited to the people you see every day and every week, because when you're looking at the fan posters from all the conventions, it's also the people uh, on the circuit like us, like uh, formerly BMNY Deadcast, like uh, now Beauty and the Beasts. I have to say it like that because it's hard for me. But, you know, guys like that, and uh, I think Jason and Karen and, and all those guys. Um, you know, it's so it's not limited to just... You know, oh, I see this guy every week. I have a general sense of what their what their features look like. No, it's people you don't often meet and you don't often see in person.
1: So I'm very impressed with that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that as my work has, especially on these tributes, I was a penciler. You know, I was pretty good at penciling, pretty solid. But uh, then I started doing this comic book work, and I, you know, I had to start inking my own work, and I was hiring friends and people in the industry that I know that to do coloring. to to get it done and then i was like well that's costing us money and we're not making much money anyway to begin with so you know i'm gonna have to start coloring myself so i start doing that and so i introduced that and you can look if you go and look at the early work you know if you go back to that deviant art gallery you can see some of the very first couple of ones that i've done (laughs) and you can see it's just there's been a huge change and it's uh, over time and it's just because of getting more and more comfortable with the tools and then also just trying different things, experimenting, and then developing a, a, a style. And again, you only do that by doing. The more I did, the more I started to develop a style. And when it came to like faces and likeness, yeah, I used to have a lot of lines. And and when I, when I first draw it, I still do a lot of the times. But now I go in, when I go to color, and I'll take those, first of all, I'll take those lines anywhere within the body And I change them from black, which is the traditional comic book, black outline, flat color underneath. I change them to a darker color shade of the skin tone. So now they start to meld into the body and the figure and um, uh, look softer, look a little bit more realistic. Uh, Most of the time, a lot of them end up getting eliminated anyway. I end up erasing them or going over them with the paint as I work with color to define the shape and the, the eyelids and the style and the shadows. And, you know, there are very few shadows on anybody's face at any time that are solid black. As you start to to learn that, as you're doing more and more paintings, it just gets more and more further away from the original line treatment. If you look at my early work, it's all black lines, flat color underneath, and now it's very much painted and painterly uh, in terms of style. (laughs) <laughs> Evolution.
0: <laughs> so, Kirk, you had mentioned earlier um, some of your artwork depicts specific scenes from episodes. Yes. Do you have a Do you have a favorite scene that you've created?
1: It's hard, you know. It, when you again, I say this yeah. to people all the time about about my art. They, I was like, well, what's your favorite one? Uh, the one I just did. <laughs> right, right.
4: But oh, that won't okay. be
1: tomorrow when I get done with this one. <laughs> so that's how it it kind of goes because when I look at a new piece, I, okay, I've, 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 I've improved on this. I've improved on that. I am no longer making this mistake. This looks good, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm much happier with that. Then the next time I do it, I look back at the other one when I'm working on a new piece and I'm like, that's bad. That's bad. That's, you know, I'll say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. You start seeing all exactly. these things here. Like, oh, yeah. I wish I could have done that differently. Sometimes when I go to print these, you know, I'll fix things. I, I don't necessarily t- t- help people, but I'll be like, that ear is wrong. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) but anyway, so, um, so some, I feel, I feel bad. Yeah. I feel bad that, you know, there's some people walking around with an early copy and some with a later copy. So in terms of my favorite, it's hard to pick, but I, I would say that last day on earth is the name of the episode. The reason is I don't know. I don't remember that is because I never call it that when I'm at the shows because everybody asks right, for like the, the, last the Last Supper. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, sure. it's The Last Supper, but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. but that's not the aim of the episode. I've always wanted, you know, just like I, I like to pay tribute to comic book covers and stuff. I've also always wanted to do, you know, kind of a classic image or a classic piece of art. And The Last Supper is a, an iconic classic piece of art. And lots of people have done what I did. It's not like I came up with the idea but i'd seen people do that and i'd always said oh that would be really cool to do that whole uh scene in that where they're lined up on the ground on their knees with negan standing over them with the bat it just lent itself to this you know this idea of them lined up at a last supper both emotionally i felt it connected with the the episode as well as visually. It was a bear of a piece to do. I was still at that time not drawing digitally. And now I draw digitally um, as well as ink and color digitally. But at that time, I was still drawing traditionally. I had to create two large 11 by 17 sheets taped together on the back to get a a, a big enough and then draw this whole thing out. And there's a funny story with it. A friend of mine um, that I uh, (laughs) often consult with on my work, he looked at it and he was like, you know, you have them in the wrong order. I'm (gasps) like, what are you talking about? (laughs) It's like, you have to put them in the right order. I'm like, it's all drawn. I'm ready to start inking it. I can't. It's going to take forever, blah, blah, blah. And it was, I was so mad. I was so mad at myself for not being, you know, not paying attention to that and everything else, but it was just a typical kind of mistake that I would do. So I I went back so, and read well, a I whole I think b- you need better friends. Emma. Yeah. <laughs> no. He was absolutely 100%. You no, know, he was absolutely correct. He was absolutely right. 100% correct because it made all the difference in the world and when people see it, it's one of the first things that they say. Or they did. It's not as popular a piece now at the convention, but the first thing they say, "Oh, they're lined up in the order that they were." You know. You know oh my gosh! You know. It's, it's, so <laughs> he, he was absolutely right, and I'm glad that I took the yeah. time to to do that. But then the other thing, you know, again coming back to some of the early discussion about trying to tell a story and try to put a little bit of the comic book storytelling into the illustration, as opposed to just being a portrait. If you look at that piece. I I don't know if any of you are familiar with it, but I gave a plate and a meal to each person sitting at the table. And what's on their plate is very representative of what was going on with them as a character in that season. Rick is eating, he's got a black, dead black crow, so he's eating crow because he told uh, you know uh, mm. people everything was going to be all right and this is not going to be a big deal uh, yeah. blah 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 <laughs> and um, you know Glenn's got all these ba- you know he's got this baby bottle and this Binky and stuff because he's about to be a father and Rosita's holding her this heart that's just a real human heart bleeding all over her cuz her heart's been completely broken she's eating her heart her heart basically because of of everything that happened with with her emotionally and her relationship so you know i tried to 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 put in you know something about the character so that people have stuff to look at digest you know see something different oh, cool. each time they look at it so and and i'd say that was probably the most successful of uh, of my efforts to do that so far right like a definitive work kirk manley work <laughs>
3: what well what kind of like uh gave you your stamp maybe on the fandom is that is that fair or accurate yeah to absolutely
1: like yeah i think so yeah. we talked about trying to to create new new pieces that push limits and take me in new directions but at the same time refining my style and and making it more me and more mine so that when you say walk down uh, you know an aisle aisle in a convention you see some of my work up and you're like oh that's That's Manly, you know, or that's Batman KM or whatever, however you you remember my name. And that's always the goal. I think it's important. You have to have a style. And I think it's probably why I didn't... Get it more established in comic books, and didn't have as much success getting into comic books, which was always my first love. Is that my penciling? I was very focused on all of the, you know, correct things. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, make sure anatomy's good. Make sure this is good. Blah blah blah. And and I wasn't particularly fantastic at things like perspective and things like that. When you've got one piece, you can work really hard on it. When you've got a one page that has five panels, and each panel has to be correct. And then you go to the next page and there's 22 pages it, it's hard to get that correct every time until it becomes very rote memory and for me it, it, it hadn't so i never had this kind of like standout style with my penciling and if you look at comic books the the artists that tend to blow up and be successful and carry on and have long careers in comics like mike mignola they have a very definitive style uh, a very recognizable style you pick up the book and you're like oh this is Jack Kirby. Oh, this is Adam Hughes. Oh, this is Mike McDonald. But I think I've been able to establish that in my standalone tribute art style. As I started to expand into this more, I started going to conventions that weren't just Walking Dead, and I had to have art for that. So I started moving into Mm -hmm. a lot of the Marvel and DC characters and TV shows, Lost and things like this. And I've really put a lot of time into it, and as a result, I've developed a more recognizable style.
0: What has been your most memorable or favorite moment with a celebrity? Or maybe you have a few stories.
1: <laughs> Knowing me, probably. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I don't have a lot of them on with celebrities because, sadly, I think I'm, I'm a little shy about that. It was real popular among a lot of the other artists uh, at the shows and conventions who would, would make a lot of you know, would make time to go and visit a lot of different actors and stuff, bring them artwork and make connection with them and, and, and I applaud them for that and and I think it it's awesome and I, I tried to do it a number of times. But I found that I tended to dis- I tend to stay at my booth and talk to people and sell work and do sketches and I, I tend to like be very much engrossed in what I'm doing. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain what it's like. Uh, it's, it's a rush when you're a hermit and an artist who sits inside all day and just looks at their own. It's like a narcissist nightmare. You know, I mean, you just, you, you have to, you work by yourself. You look at your stuff, you're your own critic. And, and then, you know, you get to go out to these conventions and people actually like your stuff. And it blows your mind and you just want to talk to them and you just want to interact with them and, and you, and you want them to be happy. You know, you want to give them a deal. You want them to feel that they're, they're having a good experience with, with your work. So I feel it's really important to be at the booth as much as possible. So I found that I, I I would get distracted and that and never go do that. But I did, I did meet a number of them and a couple of the standouts. The first Walker stalker I did was in New Jersey. I'd also, it was the first show poster I had done for them as well. And I had a small table and a few pieces up. I'd only done, I think, four or five tributes or six or seven tributes at that time. But I was getting a lot of play on Twitter. When I first started out, a lot of the actors would retweet the work. And near the end of the show, Josh McDermott walks up to my booth, who plays Eugene, with an entourage. And I'm like, holy cow. You know what I mean? And he like, (laughs) but then what he says to me is like, Holy cow! I've walked this whole floor trying to find you, and and oh. here you are—the last table, the last aisle—and <laughs> I can't believe it. And I was like, I was like floored. You know, I was just incredibly flattered and and honored. And he he had a big feature uh, piece, and he loved it, and he. He wanted a copy, and he wanted to meet me, and wanted to thank me, and it was just super, super, super nice. That that was just a wonderful introduction to the whole experience. You know, I was always very appreciative and thankful to him for that. The other was a similar situation at New York Comic Con. I had a table, and it was near Image Comics. Uh, Greg Nicotero had been over there, I guess, signing books or something. And as he walked by my booth, he saw my, you know, the stuff, and he pointed at it, and he came over, and he introduced some stuff we taught shook hands he took pictures he you know he said he'd seen my work and you know love my work and blah 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 and, and uh wanted me to send him some pieces and this and it was just so flattering and, and uh, you know, you, you're kind of working, like I said, in your little hole and you don't realize that, you know, these other people that you admire and look up to and and uh, everything else are, are seeing your stuff. But, you know, I've met a number of the other actors at the show. I, there's some that I make sure to see every time. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just wonderful people. And everybody, everybody, I mean, there's not been one person that I've met that is associated with the the show, and whether from the production end of it or from the, the the casting people, you know, the actors, that hasn't been incredibly nice, generous, warm, friendly. It just goes to show, I guess, you know, to make a good make a good show, you got to have good people. <laughs> so, you know, and they've got it in spades. If you've all gone to the shows and and met people, you you've had similar experiences, you know. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. yep. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was smiling like a goofball
3: while you were explaining your booth experience because I'm hearing Rachel, aka Cosmo Omziro in my head. <laughs> you should get out of your booth and go to some of these. <laughs> <laughs> talk yeah. Talk to some of these. Um. These actors. Like go and walk around. Go yeah. walk around. Please walk around, Dave. <laughs> and uh, and I feel like you and me are similar. First of all, in that respect, like okay, there's a rush in talking to somebody about the show, like for right. me, obviously, cause it's, that's what we do. Right. And, uh, and, and just really getting to tell people what we do and, and, and not only that, but just, Oh, I know you and I've listened to you. It was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I like that you listen to us. Cause that helps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then exactly. we talk and then, yeah. but, but the other pet part of that is, is the other half of that is that I prefer almost talking to people rather than celebrities. And it's just my opinion because like, I feel like I, I do a lot more connecting. There's a little bit less of that shyness, let's say. And I'm more in the business of, I think, talking to the people and getting to know what they think and and Mm. picking their brain on certain ideas and Mm. what they really thought about this versus what people say they liked about that. And and I just find I like to talk to people, like what makes them, what drives them? Because I I feel like we talk to celebrities enough, you know? Oh,
1: absolutely. But I think it's a little different because, you know, I'm creating work that is emulating their characters, that's portraying mm-hmm. their persona. It's respectful to show gratitude and and appreciation for for their work. To share with them how it inspires you. I admit that I don't do it enough, but that's not a conscious effort. That's been more of kind of a byproduct of of my personal approach to the conventions, you know. And it just next thing I know, I've run out of time, you know. I I get a little yeah. also uncomfortable with the whole cutting in line, you know, sometimes there's opportunities to, to squeeze in and see somebody before they are, you know, seeing people. But when these poor, I, f- I feel t- I feel really bad for a lot of the fans because of how much time they have to spend at waiting to see people and the money that they have to spend to do that. And they get such a short, you know, little window of, of time to do that. And and they're all incredibly patient. And, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever seen in years of going to conventions, uh, anybody, especially the Walker stars, anybody fighting in line—that just didn't happen. Everybody respects everybody else and everything else. So, you know, then this artist walks up and like cuts through the line, and the per, you know, and and gets to jump right ahead and take two minutes of the time that you're waiting. It just—I was very uncomfortable doing that. So when, you know, when I would see people in the aisles, I would stop and talk with them, you know, if they're going to and from or um, if it was before they started seeing people, I would try to coordinate it that way. And sometimes, Mm. you know, actors would come to my table and I would then, of course, stop what I'm doing and and let them know how I feel about (laughs) their work and their incredible talent and everything else and how inspirational they've been to me. That was also a factor. It's a mindfulness thing, it sounds like. Yeah, I think a little bit. It's a similar aspect of the business you know they're creating a character and then i'm illustrating that character so we both kind of are supporting each other you know it's like a symbiotic relationship a little bit yeah (laughs) Yeah. definitely (laughs) definitely symbiotic yeah Yeah, definitely
0: kirk aliza wants to know uh have you ever given a print to a cast member
1: yeah yeah of course especially the show posters they those were real popular fans would uh, buy piece. And, and this is, you know, again, something I wasn't prepared for until I started doing these shows, didn't even know it existed, but they'll buy my work and then they'll go wait in line to have that, you know, the featured character on that piece sign it, you know, have the, the mm. actor sign it. And occasionally what would happen is they'd come back to the table and say... Dude, look, man, and they loved it. They loved it. They want a copy. They want a copy. You know, you got to bring, tell them, they told me to tell you to bring them a copy, you know, this and that. And, that. and so then I, you know, I try and pull stuff together and go, go bring it to them. And that, you know, that's when you'd get, have to cut in line, you know, Hey, they asked me to bring this to them, you know, and that, that was always incredibly flattering and probably given a piece to, to at least everybody, maybe, maybe not uh, Negan, <laughs> But, uh, Morgan. Yeah. but no, 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 no. I don't think I ever got to uh, to Morgan. But I, uh, you know, everybody else, um, uh, Norman Reedus, and uh, all the, you know, the original cast, except for you know Rick and uh, Michonne. I didn't start going to Atlanta until I think their last appearance. I think 2017 or 2017, 2018, yeah, something right. like that. But they were never accessible anyway. <laughs> I think you'd like Jeffrey Dean though. Oh yeah, I'm sure it, I would. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's time. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, I, so. I, you know, I'm I'm very, first of all, he's a fantastic actor. I uh, was a fan yeah. of his before he even came on the show, uh, and I'm probably going to make some enemies here, but... Perfect. I think he's kind of carrying the show right now, you know, in terms of male lead. And Norman Reedus is fantastic. I love the character of Daryl, but they've never really... Written f- for him to make him deep and and rich. I mean, he's you know he's got a lot of of history, but boy, you know the Negan character is just so deep and f- you know what <laughs> I mean. He choose the screen, man. Yeah, he and he just owns it, man. That camera goes on. He just owns it, and uh, I think the- Rick was also you know I I, lo- I loved him um, as well, and he was captivating. Andrew Lincoln. You know, I think he, he's fantastic. Uh, I, I think also uh, Denai Guerrero, it's just incredible and captivating. And but uh, right now um, he, you know, he's, he's, he's it, and I would, I'd, I'd love to meet him. Yeah, he's fantastic.
3: Rita seems like the, the king that refuses the crown in a way, <laughs> you know, you see him on, but he kind of keeps it so subtle and down low and true to the character that he just doesn't try to gobble up the time in the screen.
1: Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. And and uh I think that's very fair and I I hadn't thought of it like that. But his character is a withdrawn kind of introspective um loner, it's kind of a, a lone lone wolf. That doesn't give them a lot of opportunity, yeah, to to kind of take charge and be a you know, a heroic leader. And, and that's uh so that makes it hard probably for him to to kind of get that kind of focus on his character. Right. Well, that's a good point. Hopefully that answers Eliza's uh, question. Yeah. Well, she just thought of several more. Oh, excellent.
3: <laughs> she wants you to meet Gaga Dots so you can give her the Wonder Woman vaccine poster. <laughs> and Which I, um... I kind of want to be there when that happens, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> that would be awesome. Honestly, yeah. That's okay. Can yeah. I just be, ride your coattails? Thank you, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'm curious. I'm curious how that, how those will be received. Um, I, I didn't do those with the intention of selling them i didn't do them Um, with the intention of bringing them to shows they were purely uh something i i decided to do because i i wanted to contribute i wanted to somehow be a part of the solution and not just a victim uh here you know (laughs) of covid and uh the pandemic that seemed like a great way to to mix what i do with uh, a power you know a powerfully important message that was really the, the whole point of it was to try and do something with my art that would be a positive effect on the pandemic. You know, I'm a very political person, but on social media I try to stay totally neutral as much as possible. <laughs> and gotcha. um, so for. but I couldn't I'm just, just sit just <laughs> I just couldn't sit back and not do something and you know, I feel strongly that, you know, we have the the means to put this to bed and be done with it. And, um, you know, we're we're at odds with each other so much politically that we're not able to accomplish this very simple task of getting vaccinated and knocking this thing out like we've done with so many other diseases and um, threats to our society. That's what the motivation was for doing it. Also to keep busy, to keep doing art, to keep doing portraits, to keep doing my stuff and trying to not lose touch with it. Now, I mean, should I have been continuing to do tributes and uh, pieces to the Marvel uh, Disney Plus shows? Absolutely. But I'm sure we've all been grappling with the pandemic and, and the proper use of time, and it was really hard to not get distracted. So that was kind of my solution. Uh, but yeah, I, I am curious how how those will be received. If Should I bring them to a show? I assume that uh, there will be a lot of people that will be pumped about it, and then there will probably be some that will not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Pumped uh, in a different direction. That's okay. Yeah, that's,
4: <laughs> that's okay.
3: I think what's great about them is, uh, you know, even for somebody who may be a vaccine skeptic or whatnot, it's, because over the, over the past, I don't know, year, I think a lot of people have said, please get vaccinated in a way that seems almost like rude and shameful and like shaming people who don't do the way you did it was oh these people are getting vaccinated you're not saying i mean you're saying please get the shot and you're doing it in a way that's cool and approachable you know and and says you know this is just what i think and i'm expressing it in my medium it doesn't mean you're a bad person if you don't but it's it would be great if you did and I think that's a good message.
1: Right, and that, was th- and that was done purposely. And because it's very comic booky focused in terms of the heroes, I mean, I've done a number of The Walking Dead characters. I even did the two Super Bowl quarterbacks <laughs> um, before the Super Bowl last year. So it's not only uh, superheroes, but that's pretty much what I've been doing because the whole concept was, you know, be a hero. And to be a hero, it can be as simple as getting vaccinated. Because it was comic book, I put in word balloons and tried to give them, you know, kind of funny little things that tie to their characters, you know, like Wolverines, like, you know, get the shot, bub, you know, and things that he would say. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and then that kind of evolved more. Ken, you know, coming back to kind of the tributes and the, the meals that have their little character, I just started, how else can I get some, some other things in here so there's more to look at, so there's more characterization going on? And uh, so I started adding tattoos to everybody. <laughs> yeah, that was great. and it was, it was great. like you know and it's like daryl was the biggest challenge because he's just covered you know he's a like, carol <laughs> Beth, and laura he's got the dog he, you know and uh connie and uh it was my personal favorite by the way um yeah. for him we'll I, think, I think without saying it right? yeah i think yeah. the 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 but i know i'm 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 probably aggravating people there so i'll keep that to myself <laughs> but, um, but um uh you know it is funny though it is funny how how people are so invested in in that you know and in, in the, the relationship that he you know who he and partly that's the show's fault you know because they just they don't, they don't really let him get with anybody <laughs> it's like right. it's like come
3: on you know it's turned into my favorite part now <laughs> everybody's <laughs> like i'm watching like sharon D and i are just popcorn and just watching everybody get mad about them not being together
2: it's like it's great <laughs> <laughs> my saving my popcorn for a different ship
3: <laughs> a different hate thing what anyway
1: well i guess yeah i guess shipping shipping is just such a big thing you know it's just become yeah. in, in, in this in, a, in the last 10 years we've been talking about the negan maggie tension let's just call it tension. oh well jeez, <laughs> oh, well. yeah. holy cow yeah. no please yeah. that would be oh my god <laughs> I don't know. I don't, know, if I, I don't yeah. know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> the Car crash in slow motion. Oh. It's crazy. <laughs> oh my God. I can I could see the tension though. You're right. You know, definitely. Right. But wow, no, that's uh, that's no good. That's no yeah. good. Oh, I Rachel, don't Rachel's go dying. Inside. Your insides are <laughs> rotting as we speak. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, Rachel, is your feed working? <laughs>
1: She's composed. Rachel's
0: checked out.
1: <laughs> well, okay. if, if I could, if I could ask, what are you pro or against that kind? What's where's I'm not sure what the joke is. Uh, extremely against <laughs> yeah. me getting together. Yeah, it, it would it would be horrible. It would be absolutely horrible. I <laughs> just, love the I mean, strata that's going on here. Just, oh, just straight up. I mean, oh my God, it would be horrible. It would be
0: horrible. It's fun to joke about. It's fun to joke yeah, about. Yeah, It can't actually... But it can't actually happen.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. was uh, no, like, oh, that's the nuke. That's the same as the nuke on Fear of the Walking Dead right now. Uh, I mean...
2: The- <laughs> I mean, I... I was, I've said it before. I've explained it before, but I I binged The Walking Dead in all, nine and a half seasons in, like, two weeks when oh my I watched God. it for the first
1: time. Holy cow. More power to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a really
2: close relationship with a whole lot of the characters, so... Like, things like Negan and Maggie really upset other people, and I just kind of think it's funny. <laughs> like, I'm just like, you know, I, if it happens, I'll just think it's funny. So.
1: It, yeah, she didn't uh, spend
0: seven years with Glenn.
2: That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's just sick. <laughs> it's just fucking sick. It is. <laughs> it,
0: it, it really is sick. Like, it
1: is. It would just be very twisted it, and morbid. It was sick. <laughs> oh, and we're watching what show? No, show no, we're no, no, no! You crazy, you crazy bastards! Now I want to see it. Now I want to see it. You, <laughs> do it. This no. we'll make it. you don't want to see
0: know. it? No. It's don't.
1: like so, a dumpster uh, fire, train wreck. You know? <laughs> I gotta see it. Now I gotta see it. Oh, and who's under God. the dumpster? That's say Glenn's under the dumpster. That's
0: right. right. I mean, maybe,
1: maybe if like she seduces him and then at his most vulnerable point she like pulls out a bat and smashes his head in then uh, you know okay me maybe... <laughs> somebody just said that too somebody
3: literally said uh, you said that rachel didn't you or something no he's sharing that, uh, sure. uh, okay. the praying mantis okay. the praying yeah. mantis situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah
3: yeah yeah at least it says sex with alpha so anything's possible Long. right right yeah, but
0: <laughs> negan didn't kill alpha's husband <laughs>
3: didn't he no, no didn't anyway. he
0: didn't she did <laughs>
3: she's getting all wait, rachel's getting serious let's pull back pull, let's pull up on the yoke on <laughs> <laughs> the joke
1: no they, they, uh, they won't go there they won't go there
3: yeah no they won't go
1: there i, I believe that too they won't do i that. think they'll
0: yeah. dangle it in front of oh. our faces and and get us all
1: riled up though the new carol what they might do is go that they end up becoming close comrades you know what i mean not comrade. i don't know if that's the right word but you know, that they're they're strategically they will have a common goal to defend the community and enemy of my enemy. Yeah, kind of. Just more kinda of like, okay, he's changed, you know, he's not the same person he was, he's on the right side now. That doesn't change what he did. It doesn't change that I hate him, it doesn't change that, you know, I could never be, you know, friends with him necessarily, but I need yeah. him. Um, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. So I right. you know, yeah. I see in
3: you what what you are and me, that kind of thing. I mean, they're both kind of failed quote unquote leaders. And so,
1: yeah, I don't know about that. She never did anything as low as what he did. Oh no, no, definitely not. But like the idea
3: that they both were leaders of of communities and yeah, both of them fell. fell and yeah, it's kind of heartbreaking. For yeah. one of them, at least, that I care about. I don't care about the <laughs> other one, but it's, it's it's a fact. No, but actually, this is a good dovetail onto another question that I wanted to ask. Sure. In terms of The Walking Dead, has your relationship with the show changed at all, or are you just as intense a fan as you were before?
1: Oh, well, of course. For a lot of reasons, uh, not so much the show as time. There's a lot fighting for a very small window of time that I have to be able to watch TV or watch shows or... And um, sorry, you no, know, I totally and, get it. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, and and there's also you know we, we live in a in a golden age of of television now, where television has become as the, the products being produced for television are of feature film quality both in the writing and in the directing and in the casting and in the special effects, which have gotten cheaper and been able to now do at uh, TV level, which was never, you know, I mean, that was always the big thing. First, you couldn't get the big actors to do these shows. (laughs) Then on top of that, you couldn't do the special effects that they could do in movies, and now you can. So with the digital improvement, digital uh, special effects. So, And as a result, is just the Marvel shows on Disney Plus are absolutely off the charts 6 hour movies they're just mm-hmm. wonderful you know yeah. there's just constantly great shows uh, to to watch and on between amazon and hulu and and i think you know a lot of the people in the movie industry have realized now they can go in with netflix and they can create you know, something that they've always wanted to do that the, no movie studio is going to pay to do, but, you know, Netflix will, and it's a smaller scale. And then they're not indebted to them. They're not committed to them. They don't have to do a weekly show. They create this product, they put it on Netflix, and then they move on and go back to movies. And the actors are starting to figure that out too, you know? And so they're they're yep. they're popping up, you know, all over the place too. So I think the streaming has, you know, with Amazon and Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix and Apple realizing that they couldn't survive by simply putting on other people's content, they had to create their own content and that started out rocky and rough, but now it's just it's because they don't have the censorship, they have the freedom, they don't have to, you know, please some executive at the top. I think it's just a, resulted in an amazing period of time right now for creativity on 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 the small screen. The downside is is that, you know, there's shows There's so I, I don't even yeah I don't even get to watch Total that I I wish course, I could yeah. you know I'm invested in The Walking Dead though you know since I'm watching it some from the beginning and um, so I will you know I will be with it until it it goes on Fear I was into but it, I dropped out a little bit on that I do plan to go watch it I do plan to to binge those that episodes that I, <laughs> seasons that I've missed. These are saying
3: shame on you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sure out. I love those. I love. I love
1: that cast. I love that cast. Yeah. I think that cast is great, and um, I think you know some of the acting on that show is uh, superior to the main show, which has been said. The story writing sometimes is mm-hmm. is is very inconsistent, but I've liked some of the things that they've done that that the other show didn't take the risk to do. I remember when they two seasons ago maybe they had the hurricane. Those so season, yeah. Four, season yeah, four. Yeah, 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 and. One of the things I, I've been frustrated by both shows is is that, um, and I have to be honest, I haven't even watched the other one World beyond
2: World beyond. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So I'll be interested in your guys. Is, is that is that good? Is it worth watching? Is oh, that, it's really good. It's really especially good, especially yeah for someone yeah. like yourself and Rachel. Rachel's also an, an
3: artist too. I'm gonna blow her spot. They play a lot with the beauty in the apocalypse. Oh or, god,
0: yeah, yeah. But very visual show. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Beautiful,
3: beautifully, beautifully shot. Cool, I love, I love that. love playing with color Yeah, and kind of merging the walkers into the, the landscape. Yeah, landscape. The environment,
0: yeah. yeah, uh, yeah.
2: Really good. So
1: with interesting wow. now results. Now, th- this is the last season, right? They're only doing the, what, They're the only two doing or three? Two. Two seasons. Was that always the plan? Months. Yeah. Was that always yeah. the yeah. plan? Or, yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Cool. With the wow. occasional Gimple going, uh maybe a third, maybe yeah. dangle that in front of us. I love Scott. I'm invested in the show and I will definitely see it see it through. There's no other show like it. Something I haven't enjoyed about the show, when you say in terms of my interest waned, the thing that it did did start to happen with it more is it became a bit of a zombie apocalypse soap opera. That part of it I don't I don't enjoy as much. Not that it's gotta be action twenty four seven but sometimes the, the soap operiness of it, it just drags. I can see why that is also probably part of its attraction. You know I mean? Soap operas are very addicting. What's gonna happen this week with my characters, and oh, I like my characters, you don't like your characters, you know, this, so, you know what I mean? <laughs> that and, part of uh, it, yeah, I could do yeah, that. Yeah, 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 so I get it. I mean, they're trying to please a lot of people, and I think it's hard too after this many years How many different ways can you kill a zombie? How many different ways can you create a zombie scary environment, you know, or threat and not have it seem like, like the one from last season? That's a tough challenge and and they've risen to it most for, for the most part. Plus, you know, the zombies have, as they deteriorate more, become less of a threat. And now it becomes more as a result kind of like and i think that's very realistic i think if there was a zombie apocalypse that's what would happen we used to live in a world where there were apex predators much higher than us and you know you lived with wolves that hunted you and you lived with bears that hunted you and you lived with lions and tigers and stuff that and you worked around that You would do the same with this you know you wouldn't go out at night alone you would fortify properly you would have you know systems in place and so that threat would get less and less so then what becomes the threat is the communities and the people and the politics and the infighting and as a zombie lover and zombie movie lover that's not as interesting to me Um,
3: and I agree too. Like, like every now and again, they have to interject that. Oh, this is, is still in a zombie apocalypse narrative. We are still right. the, the ultimate threat. And I think that's why they're going for their their eleventh and final season. They're realizing that we have to move on to even if it's going to end in a question mark. We have to move on to people problems, yeah. where, where the show in your mind is going to end up being a a more of a drama rather than a zombie yeah. horror drama. Well, I, I
1: also think that that there was a huge change that greatly affected the show. And and that was when they killed Carl and then the following season, Rick left. The show was based on a comic and the comic they've always, they've always held very true to the comic. And the comic was the story of a father trying to, to raise his son in this environment. And um, that had remained part of this, the main backbone of the story up until they killed Carl. Now, I didn't have as much problem with that as a lot of people did because they introduced the daughter who died in the comic when she was an infant. So my argument to people who were freaking out about Carl was it doesn't matter. He's still a father protecting his and raising his child in the apocalypse. It's just a different child than the son. And, and they just reversed it. And, and I'm fine with that. And and I think it also, because that child was much younger, it allowed them to stay focused on, on Rick instead of starting to move towards Carl. I don't know if the show felt that that would lose people or whether they felt that that actor couldn't handle that role. I, I don't know. But then when Rick leaves. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Then I was like, well, now you've completely kind of gone off the the reservation and you're on your own now. Well, and, this, and
3: just to remind everybody, like particularly this kind of affects you because of your intense love of the comic, yeah, which is kind of like where you were, your love was born out of for the show. Right. Was, and I'm the sure
1: comic. the majority of people who watch the show are not familiar with the comic or, or familiar with it, but haven't read it. The comics are read probably by, you know, I mean, when they came out, they if they were selling at their primo time, maybe maybe 100,000 copies, 70,000 copies. There isn't the comic book audience that there is television. Whereas Mm -hmm. they're reaching millions and millions and millions, tens of millions of people watch the show. So I have to believe that given that ratio in normal world, that that it probably, yeah, mathematically it's just not. Now a lot of people that would never have read the comic went out and got the comic or got the trades and read it because they were curious. Um, that wouldn't have happened, you know, otherwise, but I still think it's probably the majority of people.
0: I read the books because of the show.
1: Yeah. 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 Which to yeah. you? I which... didn't know
0: when the show, when the show came out, I didn't even know it was based on comic books. Someone told me uh-huh. that and I'm like, what? What? So then I had to, yeah, go and read all the books and I'm like, this is so different.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I-, I will say to kind of go back on the Andrew Lincoln kick, I think that to me freed up the show to do it. An- very interesting things and I, I can see why some people would especially people who've read the comic but like would get uneasy because like they're kind of like i don't know what's going to happen next i feel <laughs> uneasy with this it's like for some reason your seatbelt in the middle of the roller coaster you know you'll be all right but the lap bar is suddenly like loose and you're like, yeah, I I, 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 right. yeah i think this isn't right
1: yeah to me it, it was more of a sea change i would compare it say like, like say star trek Right. Say so you're what oh, okay. you're, you're. You're really into Star Trek. You watch Star Trek. They're in a ship. They're flying around the universe. They're they're meeting new worlds, new civilizations. You know, blah 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 They're having all these things going on in space. Then all of a sudden, they crash on a planet. Let's say, and that's it. They're gonna stay on the planet now. Right. It's no longer a ship in space. Right. <laughs> they're gonna build this society on this planet. and You're gonna watch the evolution of of that. How that all evolves. And it's like. Wait a minute. Okay. It's still Star Trek, but it's not at all what the structure of the, of the story was prior. So um, that's how it felt to me when Rick left. It was like, okay, the, the whole structure of the story has kind of has changed now. Now, yes, I can see what you're saying. They free, freed him up. I don't know if they necessarily took advantage of that. I thought they needed to have someone step up, whether it was going to be Michonne or whether it was going right. to be Daryl. And no one seemed to take that lead until they got Negan. And now I feel like he's <laughs> he's kind of, by hook or by crook, he's he's grabbing at least my attention. No, I don't want to like that guy, but he says the right things at the right time, and uh, and he's badass, and he takes no prisoners, and uh, he's captivating to watch. And that's kind of how Rick was. He's the guy that walks
3: into the room, and you just can't keep your eyes off of him. I mean, <laughs> literally. It, it, <laughs> Whether it's because he's scary, and it could be simultaneously scary, but yeah. like also kind of like, hmm, it's kind of kind of hot, too. What? what? You know, that kind of, that kind we of thing. We got a little man
1: crush going on here. <laughs> but he's also scary.
3: Yes. So I'm watching you. I'm watching you, buddy. Negan and Goggles. Uh, Negan and Goggles. Right, <laughs> Negan and Goggles, and then simultaneously Negan the next week. Uh, you know, I hate bangs. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, I think the only thing I, I wanted to ask about basically doing comic illustration on the rag, because is, is that something you you would still like to pursue? Or do you have any works currently or within the last year or so or two that you can show everybody? I can't
1: show yet because it hasn't come out, but it's been uh, solicited. And sh- uh, I think it was solicited two months ago. So it should be coming out probably, I think October it comes out. It's about vampires and Cadillacs. <laughs> Night of the Cadillacs, right? Night of the Cadillacs. Through Rob Pryor, who does a lot. He's out in California. He does a lot of work for in the movie industry, doing, um, I think, uh, developmental art and uh, storyboarding and stuff like that. There's been a blossoming of producers and studios creating their own comic books as a way to kind of grease the wheels for a movie production. So they'll have a movie that they want to do, but it's hard to pitch it. But if you go out and create it as a comic book, which is more cost effective to do and quick to do, and then get it produced, get it out there and get some fans behind it as well, but then bring it to life in 2D you can go in and make the pitch a lot better and a lot easier and kind of show, hey, we've already established that, you know, this is a product that people like and da-da-da-da-da. So I was approached by a producer out there that, that works with Rob, and um, he came with this idea for the uh, Night of the Cadillacs. I don't want to give too much away. It's, it's basically about um, vampire gangs that exist in an alternate kind of universe, and they have a means at a certain time of the year or a certain time of – the I don't remember if there's a years involved or if it's a year late. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they can come through this portal and come to hunt, basically, in our universe, in our planet, for a period of time while that portal is open. And um, it's kind of a cool concept. It was a lot of fun to draw, a lot of fun to illustrate. And I got to do everything. Yeah, I drew it. I inked it. I colored it. I did the lettering um, the entire, the entire piece. It was funny because they came to me a few years ago with this and wanted some poster pieces. And then he wanted three short stories that were only two or three pages each. There was three or four, it might've been four. They were three pages each. So it was like 12 pages total or whatever. And they were of different gangs and what they were doing that night or whatever. But it was just kind of like to give that, concept, like here's what they would look like and here's what they would be doing. And this is what they would be driving. And it's, it's very, uh, it's into a lot of really cool visuals, you know, you know, one group draws these big Cadillacs and they're so cool from like the seventies and eighties, you know, and other ones are all on um, bikers and other ones are all riding bicycles. It's so just really cool stuff. You know, their transportation fits in with their overall style as a gang too. So it was visually, it was really cool. I was really into it. So I did those. And then they came back and said, you know what, is there a way for us to put this together since you've already done these 12 pages and create a one full story that we could go two books in. So we got Jeff Marzik, who wrote my comic, The Girl and the Ford Tigers, which was a piece that a book that I did independently with him. He helped take this screenplay and work it into a, a full story that for over the two issues, along with another writer that, that they were working with. And then I went and added additional pages and we made some adjustments to some of the original pages. So we ended up with two full books, about 20, I think they're like 20 or 22 pages each. They got together with a company called Scout Publishing, which is a new comic book publisher right now. Hmm. Worked out a deal with them and they're publishing it. So it's exciting. So yeah, I'm still you know trying and looking to do more in that vein. But there's an incredible amount of competition for that work. What was nice about this, too, was being able to, to do the color because I could bring some of what I've taught myself from doing the tributes into the work. So um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it came out pretty cool. I look forward to seeing how it's received.
3: For the audience, uh, you can get Z Girl and the Four Tigers still on Comixology as well as Scam which is something you worked on as well, I think it was?
1: Yeah, Scam, when you self-publish, you start to kind of get into a group of people that do that kind of stuff and you kind of, you know, connect with a lot of people and and reach out to them for advice and contact ideas for printers and things like that and distribution strategies and stuff that you don't get to learn anyway, but by talking to other people that have done it. (laughs) So I, I, connected with them on some things and then they came to me and said they were doing this um, collection of short stories and they had uh, a scam character and they put it together and um, did a whole bunch of short stories in a collected trade and i did one of the installments
3: for those who don't know scam is uh the way they build it was uh if if mutants were like oceans 11 essentially that's (laughs) how they build it as i think it was right Yeah. yeah awesome a heist yeah. with powers and i highly recommend Z-Girl and the 4 Tigers it's, it just sounds like a very interesting uh take on a zombie protagonist well and we don't know as from what i heard we don't know if she ends up being the the demise or the or the savior let's say character mm. the you know of the right. series right if i'm not mistaken and there's a lot of lore in it too like like real life lore
1: yeah. You know, it's disappointing because I think if given a little more time and financing and energy, there was a, a lot of potential for that book. And and I mean, there still could be if we were to pick it back up. But the zombie stuff was hot when we started that. You know, it was really hot. Walking Dead had just kind of started and the Walking Dead book was really big. But I wanted to do something different with zombies than what what was traditional. Just having zombies be the villain was, was just kind of, it was tired, it was done. So we decided to to make the zombie the hero and she is like a thousand year old zombie character that's been trained by- Lao Tzu, yeah. So we brought in a lot of like mystical stuff and Chinese history. And then she was peered up with these four tigers which were uh, spirits of warriors. That um, whenever they perished, their spirit would seek out another host and bring them back to the group. So the group stays together for like a thousand years, fighting demons and monsters, very much like Hellboy and the BPRD type of deal. And they're Mm -hmm. part; they work with the uh, a governmental agency and all this kind of stuff. So I was very influenced by Hellboy at that time. She had this tank and these way to. Rehabilitate herself or heal herself, so that she wasn't constantly rotting away. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and and then some of these pow—you know—there was things that she could do as a zombie that gave her a little bit of like superpowers. You know, like for instance, she could identify in a room whether people were living or not living. Um, whether, you know, if you couldn't see or whatever, there's this one part where they go into, you know, anyway. So because she could sense the blood, she could sense the heart beating, she could sense, you know, that kind of stuff. There was, you know, she could mm-hmm. take off limb parts and be able to access stuff that you couldn't, you know, reach or couldn't do with, you know. So there was this, this kind of, and then had to repair herself, but or she could take a lot of damage, you know, whether it be from bullets or guns or knives or whatever and keep on moving. There was no pain involved. The only thing she couldn't do, was take a strike to the, to the brain, whether it be a bullet or a knife, like traditional zombie lore, right? So we right. built into her costume, this metal plate that was designed as part of her costume that protects the one area of that brain so that she has some protection. And it was just, you know, it was fun. It's like, what could mm. you do with zombies that would be different? It seems like emblematic of Kirk Manley. <laughs> <laughs> let's
3: let's do something different, damn it! Yeah. Let's keep pushing that. But yeah, category. make it. But yet yeah, make yeah. it the same. <laughs> yeah, but still, like, yeah, have that little yeah. kernel of like, yeah, you know <laughs> this part, right. but you don't That's know all right. this other stuff.
1: Yeah. So the zgirl.org is the site. I think it's still going on. It's still up, and you can order the books. You can order the books through there. Um, we did six issues. Uh, there was a five issue story, complete story. And then we did a sixth issue, which was kind of a standalone. And then we also did a zero issue, which had three oh. short three short stories in it at different time periods. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that we liked about the fact that they've been together for thousands of years and had different forms. We went back and did short story where you know it was a hundred years ago, and the, the the crew the crew was different, but she was the same. But they were still the same spirits. Right. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, and and then of course you could draw different you know you could colonial or steampunk you know and that kind of thing and but then jump forward and do present day and allowed us to jump through uh, you know time a little bit when we tell the story i'm just like imagining the tribute art to that like how you can
3: spin off these different covers and steampunk colonial versions yeah. of z girl <laughs> yeah that sounds kind of fun too, in my yeah. brain.
1: We've held on to Kirk long enough, oh, I suppose. I, I think we've well, taken listen, up a lot I, of his
0: time tonight.
1: Thank you very much. I've taken up a lot
3: of your time. Aliza just wants to make sure that, and I think this is, I, I'm going to take a wager here, but if and when you end up finishing Fear the Walking Dead sixth season, mm-hmm. you might be inspired to do something there. Oh, yeah. I think, okay. I think. Oh, yeah. It oh, is yeah. A, <laughs> just a, an incredible roller coaster. Like, I know people say that, right? People say, oh, but. If you even go on Reddit, people there they, even they're split on like, oh, yeah, it's not so bad. For the people who hated four, season four <laughs> and five, they're
0: like, eh, it's not so That's bad. That's saying a lot coming from Reddit. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I saw the preview for the new season, and it and that kind of blew my mind a little bit because characters had switched roles, and um, it, it seemed mm-hmm. like, and uh, and then it yeah. looked like there had been some sort of nuclear. Uh, event or something similar to that where they, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, damn, they never went there in Walking Dead, you know what I mean? And it's like, if the society crashed, you know there's going to be a couple of nuclear disasters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, Mm -hmm. so that looked cool. I'll definitely check it out.
3: And it's also kind of like what ends up happening with some of the characters you are familiar with, how they change, what they turn into.
1: In the preview, there was this intense confrontation. It was just in words, I think, over images. Strand was like, Dude, we tried to do it your way, and that didn't work. So look where we are now. So screw you. We're doing it my way. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. (laughs) You know. Now it's funny because see now there's a show that didn't. It wasn't designed to be based on an individual character and following them and their son or their daughter through the apocalypse. It was designed completely on its own, and uh, and I think as a result, it it, um, it was be- it's able to be successful at going in a you know in its own kind of direction. They did kind of anchor it a little bit in the beginning with the the mother character, but that I think that was holding them down, and I think they realized that. Mm. And once they once they got rid of her, and uh, and whether she comes back or not, I don't know. But because uh, they never showed her actually get eaten, so you know right. if you don't the see bag. the body, uh, you know you know you can't say it's definite, 100%. Fortunately or not. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But it allowed the other characters to kind of go in different ways and and grow and become mm. their own thing. And and so no, yeah, I I did like that about that show. I think the logic they used
3: for Matt. Madison's exit is similar in a way to what they did with Rick, I think, is it allowed the other characters kind of step forward and try to take on that mantle, that shared lead mantle. And I think yeah. it's not it's not a coincidence that they both left it around the same time, season four yeah. and season season nine.
1: Yeah. So. Just, just to remind people again, this weekend is my TWD Tribute Art Weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with new Season 10 and Season 11 Tribute Art. The first pieces I've done really since the pandemic started. I'll be releasing prob- hopefully two per day. Two on Friday, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. There'll be um, some incentives with original sketches. If you get sets, there'll be bundles. I'm gonna try and do an event poster for it as well. That will be exclusive for this event. That will only be available that that weekend. And there'll be 50 of them signed and numbered. And when they're gone, they're gone. Wow. And, and I won't bring them to shows in the future. I won't be selling them online. Only exclusively to this weekend. So, should be a lot of fun. I hope people will check it out. I appreciate. You're giving me a forum to to let people know about it and um, and also to to talk about myself. It's just uh, sadly my favorite subject. <laughs>
3: as,
2: as a loner right. and an
1: artist stuck in a hole, that's what tends to happen, <laughs>
3: folks. You, you got you got to get those those one of those fifty prints. It, yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen fast. Is this like an option that they can get along with their purchase? Is that how it works?
1: Well, yeah. Also, you can get it by itself. There's a option to get it for free or included if you get all three three days if you buy each set from each day on friday it'll be there'll be a limited amount of of sets that are sold with sketch cards original drawings that i'm going to do on friday i believe it's going to be daryl so you'll get an original sketch that i'll do of daryl with your set purchase and on saturday it'll be your choice uh, of carol or michonne and on uh, Sunday, if you buy the set on Sunday, it'll be Negan. But if you choose to get the, the the bundle deal of all three sets, you'll get all three of those sketch cards as well, as well as the show poster. I'll throw that in as well. So there'll be a lot of incentive to get all of six.
3: I wish you the best of luck with it. I think I think this is such a terrific idea, and thank you. As seasons. Seasons 10 and 11 are monster seasons. Many people regard them as, like, so far, one of the best seasons uh, of The Walking Dead history. I mean, there's always classics like 1, 2, and 5, and 6, and well, you know, all of them. But then, <laughs> but then you know, season 10 rolled around. It was this epic, epic tale that uh, yeah. really grabbed a lot of people, I think it was. And I think, I think they'll see that in your work.
1: Thank you. I hope so. We'll see. As I've said many times tonight, you only learn by doing. So, you know, I'm going to give it a try and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it'll be success and, or at least enough of a success to want to do again, you know, and then hopefully yeah. get better, get better each time. Let me just say, please be patient and understand that I'm not a show producer. I'm not a promoter. I'm not... <laughs> i 'm not a website designer, so um, you know i 'm sure this uh, you know there will be lots of bumps and um, I hope people will be patient
3: you 're a nice a nice enough guy you 've earned that equity i think I believe, <laughs> and if not. You have a, a patrol of soldiers who are ready to, to stand by you. I think so, go. yeah. Especially Aliza right there in the chat. That's right. <laughs>
0: so. Kirk, I want to thank you so much for being here. A special thank you and shout out to Eliza J for making all of this possible. Everyone, everyone needs to go over and head to at BatmanKM on Instagram and Twitter, so you can check out more of Kirk's work. Make sure you are absolutely following him so that you know exactly when this tribute art is available. There are a lot more ways you can contact Kirk, so make sure you check out our blog and find out all the different ways you can get a hold of him and get your special tribute art.
1: Thank you guys very much. I really appreciate the chance to come on. Thank
2: you for being here. It was my pleasure. And
1: talking with us.
3: And it's fair to say that um, they should also stay tuned on studiokm.com, right? To see the latest update in the book. Yeah. So that they can see when it goes on sale. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Take care.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care now.
3: Thank you so much for making it to the end of this lovely, lovely interview with none other than Kirk Manley, aka Batman KM, graphic artist, comic book artist, and just overall lovely person who should get a podcast again. Uh, if you like what you heard, you can always head to ratethispodcast.com. You should be rating us after every episode so that people know how good this thing is or even how bad it is. Five stars in an is all we need to know that you love us, or five one star in a poop emoji or five poop emojis or several uh, either way please communicate us let us know what we what we got right let us know what we did wrong uh <laughs> just talk to us we're here uh as well as uh well and this episode has been brought to you by our survivors tier member aliza J, who actually hooked us up with kirk uh took care of the communications she is a lovely lovely contributor to this podcast uh, but this episode has also been brought to you by, not to be overshadowed by, our whispers tier members, namely, at Whispers UK on Instagram, at snick 3 on Twitter and Instagram, at Aiden the Raven on Twitter, at Jasmine.IAC on Instagram, who also gave us some lovely emotes on our Discord server, one of the perks of joining the whispers. and last but not least, at Judith.Morton on Instagram. Uh, what are tier members well if you head over to ko-fi.com dead and just create an account and follow us there you can follow our journey behind the scenes and be in the know when we drop something cool that you may want to participate in like our recording sessions in the real-time chat as well as download our unedited episode recordings and a whole bunch of other perks and if you're so inclined you don't have to it doesn't cost anything to follow us And if you're so inclined to actually dip your toe in the waters, you can always tip us for $3 and get $30, 30 days of access to our supportive back content. And if you join one of our membership tiers, the party just keeps on going. Uh, The whispers tier has a bunch of perks as well. And the survivors tier has all the perks, including the ability to join in our episode breakdowns on camera. I've been your host, David Cameo. It's been great, great, great to, give you this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll see you in the next one.